0: Oh hi! Welcome to The Deaf Party, where politics and puns collide. On this show, we talk politics with people all across the political spectrum. Here, we talk to each other, not past each other, all the while cracking bad dad jokes, drinking cold beer, and eating delicious food. We are smart, kind, funny, game changers, here to have our minds and opinions confirmed, challenged, and even changed. So grab your headphones, your drink of choice, and your sense of humor and join us for the party. We're super stoked you're here. What's up, Dove Party people? Santel here. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We're super stoked that you're here. This week um Gabe is back on the podcast. Our other fabulous co-hosts are out doing vacation and you know cruising the Caribbean and drinking beers without us, but whatever, it's fine, we're over it. <laughs> so Gabe and I sat down to do a quick episode this week, and it's a little different, um, but I do like it, and I think you will too. Basically, what happened is I've been reading this book. Um, it's called Give Work by Lila Jana. She is the CEO and founder of Sama Source and Lux Cosmetics. The first is a nonprofit company, the second is a for-profit company both with these incredible social missions baked into them, and you'll hear me talk more in detail about what exactly is going on with those when we get into the content of the episode. But I wanted to dive into this because I'm not done with this book. I'm probably three-fourths of the way there, and it has just been sitting with me for days now. I haven't picked it up since this weekend. Um, This has been a couple days, and it, it has. It's just been sitting with me this last little bit that I've read and it's just made me ask myself a ton of questions and do some reflection on myself and some possible biases and opinions that I hold that I didn't really question as ever being wrong but I never really tried to argue the other side either and it's just been really illuminating and so I needed to chat about it (laughs) so you know we do these open mic style now where we sit down with a cold one and we just talk story to each other and And this came up after we started talking about (laughs) football fans taking up too much parking in college towns. So, you know, obviously we have to get some shenanigans in. It is the dev party after all. And so, after that, we're going to talk, we talk story about just kind of all of these questions that we're reflecting on and, and what we're thinking. And it has a lot to do with foreign aid and the U.S. spending money on foreign aid and is that a good thing or a bad thing or is there there a gray area there? Is giving work better or straight up giving people cash or just giving people aid? You know, is a human life more valuable within one national border versus the other? And if so, by how much? Or if it's not, then why do we say we need to take care of our own first before we take care of others in the other places across the world? Sometimes places we might never see. And so we kind of try to dig into these questions a little bit. It's a shorter episode. We were both short on time. We do still have very full lives and schedules. But we love this dev party, and we want to commit to staying here each week with you guys. So I hope that this makes you do some thinking as well. And I really hope that you connect with us on social after you listen because I'm so not done talking about this stuff. I think it's really fascinating, and it's really like – Big picture kind of philosophical talk, not necessarily headline work that we've done in the past or kind of current events. It's more of just discussion of ideas and values, and it's super interesting. So I would love to hear from you. I'd love to talk with you because I'm still kind of sorting out my thoughts and feelings on these types of things. And why not have some other people to sit down and do a digital dev party with? So as promised, we are going to get into the unedited episode that we just recorded. So again, you're going to hear us (laughs) talk about college football a little bit, and then we'll get into it. And just in the spirit of being kind of unedited, I, yeah, I'm sure I'm not editing it. So you got your intro, we'll slap an outro on at the end. And uh, we hope that we will chat with you guys on social um, throughout the week. And if you missed last week's episode, make sure you download it from iTunes or visit it on SoundCloud or the site. So, anything that you want to chat about in the open mic situation? Mm,
1: man, <laughs> I don't know. There's like I don't have anything really. I, I, the only thing I can think of is like I'm just happy I'm I don't stay in Athens on game days just because. Why is that? It's, it's just like so I, I'm in Athens, Georgia, right where the University of Georgia is. So on yeah. game days. It's just like a total uh, circus, for lack for, mm. for a better term. It's just yeah. like crazy people. And for some reason, it's this weird phenomenon. Where we live, it's like kind of a little out of all the way, but within the city. So pretty close to, uh, like relatively close to downtown. And people, I guess occasionally, either their friends tell them or like they just come find it on their own Will park in our like little cul-de-sac kind of thing where me... Well, where, where i live and the weird thing is that people will take our spots like right from my building right from my apartment or right a town home whatever
2: That's but what's
1: really weird is that they don't ever take anyone else's <laughs> like there's literally a dozen spots available like down further down because there's like a little like overflow lot almost kind of thing and there's, like, the whole coldest de sac could park in the other side of the building, but no, they all want to park right there.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, I have no idea what it is.
0: That's annoying. I could see yeah. that being very annoying.
1: No, it's extremely annoying.
0: Yeah. I remember, like, when I lived in Lexington, Kentucky, like, UK football and basketball, you know, that's a thing. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was like a Saturday during football season and my sister was in the hospital. She spent a couple of days in the hospital. And so I was getting off work and I went down and I was trying to see her because she, at this point, it was like the first day and I had like just learned that she was being admitted to the hospital. So I like got off work as early as I could and I drove downtown and I went to park at the hospital and all of the parking was taken. Um, and like the parking garage and the lot and I remember like asking someone and they're like, oh, you'll have to find street parking. A lot of these UK fans like to park here for the game. And I was like, this is the freaking hospital. Like <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I was so mad because, <laughs> like, you know, like game day, like uh, uh, all the street parking is taken. like all you know what I mean? Like there is no other parking like how is this not being monitored? And I remember being so furious. At UK
2: fans,
0: (laughs) being like, I can't even visit my sister who's in the hospital for what they thought at the time, and it wasn't, it was like a cardiac arrest type problem.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I was Uh, like, Are you kidding? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it sounds it sounds about right i mean you know how it is with sports fans especially like avid sports fans you know it's this is uh oh they, they feel like they say like you know especially in the sec it's like football is religion you know sports is life mm-hmm. even if it means get to get out and get away from someone else's life
0: <laughs> it is true i know and i remember being so furious that like they weren't thinking about like other people necessarily and but anyway, that's actually kind of, if you want to get philosophical, I have something we could talk about that's a little more broad. Okay. So I've been reading this book. It's called Give Work by Lila Jana. Mm-hmm. She uh, is the CEO and founder of two companies. One is SamaSource. I don't know if you've heard of it. And the other one she just started is Luxme. I think I'm pronouncing it right. It's L-X-M-I. <laughs> Luxme Cosmetics. And the... Luxme Cosmetics is a for-profit company with like a social mission baked into it. And then SamaSource is a nonprofit company. Um, so they can be funded by donations or cash like business. Um, and basically they're an outsourcing company and they work, they have clients like Walmart and Google and all these like big, big names that pay them, you know, contract money to work on, different like digital projects that they would normally outsource to a firm somewhere overseas. And instead they outsource to source. and they have like US based project managers that pair them with people in the developing world that are like living off of less than $2 a day um, mm-hmm. that can actually do this digital work. So it's things like image tagging and like teaching algorithms. Like an example would be like showing, like, tagging images of people walking on a street so, like, a self-driving car could learn if a human steps in front of it, like, stuff like that.
2: Okay.
0: Um, so, anyways, that's the background. So, I'm reading this book that she wrote about giving work, and she argues in the book that the best way to help poverty and alleviate deep poverty around the world is not by traditional methods of foreign aid. So, for people listening, that's, like, if we do, like, you know, dropping bags of rice or, you know, giving cash to governments and then trusting them to distribute appropriately.
1: Or, like, invading them and, like, securing their oil for them.
0: Sure, sure.
1: <laughs> you know, that's that's the other kind. It's a bit unorthodox, but it's very American.
0: Oh, God bless America. Holy shit. Um, So <laughs> that was good. Yes. <laughs> so she argues that a better method is to actually just straight up if you're not just going to hand them cash to give them work because that's people enjoy working and they feel pride when they're able to produce and earn their own money right so anyway her book's all about kind of outlining that and so her method is helping people in just the most abject poverty around the world like poverty that I absolutely can't even fathom um like, I think I was reading somewhere else and she might've mentioned it in the book that like the poorest of the, like the poor in the United States, oh God, what was it? It was like they earned $5,000 or less per year, something like that. And it was still like 14 times more than like some other people in like slums and like different parts of sub-Saharan Africa and parts of Asia. And it, it's just, it kind of boggles my mind. And it, <laughs> um, But... What was interesting is so she had run an ad on Hulu because Hulu gave nonprofits I think this is back in two thousand nine, so like right when the recession was. Hulu gave a bunch of nonprofits like free advertising time. And so they developed an ad and, you know, just showing how they were like lifting people out of poverty and like all the repercussions and all the good that did not only for those people and their families, but for like their actual communities and like other pop up shops would pop up and you know, blah, blah, blah. So She gets an email from someone named Joe in Ohio, like, cussing her out. And it's like, why are you helping those people when Americans are over here, like, struggling and, like, not being able to put food on the table and, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so, like, I get that point, too. But what made me, you know, bring this up, which I think is so interesting, is she goes on to talk about, like, why is your life within this border more important than a life over in a different border. And I thought that was, and I've literally been thinking about it for like the last two days or so since I've read it. And I don't know, it was just super interesting because like, I've always been interested in humanitarian efforts around the world. And like, I understand that me being like middle-class, especially like white to have that privilege baked in like all this like I'm richer than like something stupid like 95% of the world or something like you can google it
1: and, you're like, almost the one percent like
0: like it's it's mind-boggling right and then mm-hmm. you, know, you see like here like you see the homeless people on the street or you see people like absolutely struggling here and and it, you understand the argument, like, why not help this person you're right next to and not this person off in some place that you might not ever visit. And anyway, I just, like, haven't been able to stop thinking about it. And I don't even know if I have a real question for you yet. <laughs> just like,
1: well, you're insinuating your question as to what my opinions are on it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I just think it's, like, an interesting, like, idea. I don't know, like... Is one life more valuable than another? Should we care more about people within our own borders and like, quote unquote, take care of our own before we try to help other people? Is there like, you know what I mean? Like, what is, and obviously this is all like wildly opinion based, but I've like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it.
1: Well, there's the smart ass answer is to say, well, Sarah, you already said that they make five times more than the poor people over there, So hell yeah, we're more important. Um, we're value, we're more valuable. <laughs> Duh. Terrible. Plus, if I help them, then they'll buy more stuff. All right. And the economy goes around. Um, uh, but I mean, to me, I think there's actually a lot of good to be done, um, anywhere. Right. It's like, yeah. if you're helping people, it's not because I I can't, I have a hard time. I mean, I can understand the frustrations of people, but yeah, you know, I don't know. It's like people I think, I think the big thing is that everyone can help out in a certain way. And it's like, oh, well, you can't really donate time for whatever reason. You can't donate time and all that. But you want to make sure that what you're doing goes the furthest or helps as much as it can. Because, I mean, you can technically give a dollar to someone here. Yeah. Versus a dollar somewhere else is going to have a lot more. You're, you're, this is going to sound cynical, but it's going to, you have a lot greater returns on that dollar sending it to – like a place like um Somalia or something like that
0: I mean that's true technically the ROI for your like dollar for that development is definitely higher in that model like if you send it overseas right and yeah that is kind of a cynical but if that's like the lens you're choosing to like like I have ten dollars to give how can I do the most good with my ten dollars you might approach it like that like that Definitely can make sense.
1: I mean, to me, it seems like you actually, I mean, this is also, this is, I could be talking my ass here, but you <laughs> have, uh, you could probably adopt a hybrid system. So assuming that you were a person who was a, one of them start a business, or even if you don't have a business, like if you want to help people stateside or help people in the community, you could help them try to connect them with people to get a job.
2: Mm -hmm. or connecting
1: like resources in the area and what's that what's to preclude you from sending money overseas
2: Mm. right
1: because like like, you spend ten dollars here spend dollars there but it's like let's say uh let's say for you you make ten dollars an hour well an hour of your time here is a lot different spending an hour in your local community helping out volunteering whatever is a lot different than just giving ten bucks true yeah right so yeah. there's there's more than just giving monetarily i mean this started off as a monetary thing right because it's like that's mm-hmm. the whole of what this was but um but i mean it's kind of like people complain the u.s gives so much money away in in aid but it's like less than one percent of our gdp yeah I
0: don't think realize how minuscule it is <laughs> um it yeah it's wildly minuscule <laughs> Um. Yeah. I think yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize like how little we actually give in foreign aid compared to what we spend on everything else, Um, and not to mention I don't think people understand that we actually receive foreign aid as well. I think like I remember like reading into the countries that actually provided monetary foreign aid for Hurricane Katrina. Not only that, but like
2: troops and Mm
0: -hmm. food and you know all sorts of things. And I remember being like, oh wow, I didn't know we accepted this stuff. I just assumed like we're number one, you know? But no, like, I remember even like Congo sent over like foreign aid to help us. And I was like, whoa, um, I don't remember how much it was, but I just remember thinking like a country like the Democratic Republic of Congo is is contributing foreign aid to victims of Hurricane Katrina. Like this is insane, um, <laughs> at least at yeah. the time.
1: I didn't know they did that, but I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we think about it. If you were to replace countries with people it you you're you're going to be always more capable of helping of bringing together more money well not always but generally speaking it's easier to raise larger amounts of larger amounts of money with more people than it is from a single person
2: hmm
1: so i mean and, and like this is not this is not the greatest one to one comparison, but it's like you know it's like at any one moment like yeah the u s could like help out its own people and all that but at the same time it's like when something disastrous strikes like it's good to have like the u.s is going to be somewhat crippled because like some of the right some of the money we would have had is lost and then so it's nice to have other countries step in and help out and so same thing i don't know anything else i guess
0: yeah no to me that makes a ton of sense and then another thing that kind of like opened my eyes is you know, over the last, especially the last decade, you know, since we've been dealing with recession and stuff, like we keep hearing, oh, the jobs are going overseas. The jobs are going overseas. And initially I'm thinking like, oh, this isn't good. Like we need to, I don't know that these jobs will ever come back, but we need to train up our workforce for new jobs and like high skilled labor or just caregiving. Like you're not going to have a robot, like watch your grandma in the nursing home. Probably not. Probably take a while to get comfortable with that. Um, sure. <laughs> or, you know Amazon might be working on that I'm not really sure but you know these other industries and I think that's still a good idea but like it didn't even occur to me that like the jobs that are being outsourced you know barring sweatshops and stuff obviously like they could actually be lifting people out of poverty over there and who am I to say like you don't deserve that And that was a really interesting, I had to like really like think critically of myself and my opinions there.
1: Yeah, well, it's like, what was it? Let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, Number of people. Well, it's like, well, they talk about capitalism in general and people always talk about how evil capitalism is and all that.
2: Mm -hmm. And they say
1: the capitalism has been the single greatest tool in terms of getting people out of poverty.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and like you're talking about China. It's like, what was it? It was like 30 years ago like a huge number of the population, a huge proportion of the population. I want to do a conservative estimate. I'm going to say something like, uh, 30 to 50% and well, that's a wide band, but I think it may have been bigger, but either way it would have been considered in severe poverty, but like with the introduction of the jobs and all that, like now they have like a middle class and mm-hmm. the number of people that they would consider in severe poverty has diminished drastically. Yeah. Um, and they, have, and they have an interesting take on capitalism. I mean, even then, it's like sure. people talk about jobs leaving. This is this is economics, me talking, but it's like people talk about <laughs> jobs leaving. But it's like, you know, the jobs, you look at the jobs leaving, uh, they can keep them.
2: Right? <laughs> it,
1: yeah. I mean, that's easy for me to talk from this position, but like, right, you look at the right. safety and all that, it's like, and you look at the relative pay, it, it would be, it'd be you can't live. You couldn't live on a, on a life even on, like, a a comparable wage in the States with one of those jobs just because of the risk involved and all that. I mean, it's, like, you look at some of the textile mills or whatever they have to do. It's just, like, you have to work incredible hours. And, I don't know. It's just uh, some of the stuff's dangerous. Some of the stuff, you know, I'm going to say tedious, but uh, it's not easy. It's not easy work, you know.
0: Right. Not at all.
1: Not not that any of these manufacturing jobs ever were, but, uh, I don't know, the the American worker is far safer today than physically than they ever were in the past, especially when you consider some of the products that are used.
2: Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, and that kind of opens up a different can of worms, like, and we don't have a lot of time to dive into it, but it almost opens up another can of worms, like, okay, I agree, like, a lot of those jobs, like not great we could do better you know but then it's like so should we just send like dangerous quote-unquote dangerous jobs overseas to some other place you know that doesn't have the labor standards in place that we have that doesn't have like workers compensation in place or doesn't have like what we would consider livable wages and just like it's the other so it's okay like you know and that's a whole other you know, thing, but it's just like I just love plucking the strings. Of like
1: <laughs> well, so NPR actually had a really interesting article on this, where they because they talked, they went from the they went to China and they talked to people doing these kind of things. And you know, people in the states often have the mindset like, oh, you know, we're like benefiting off of cheap Chinese labor and we're like mm-hmm. exploiting them and all this stuff. But you talk to the Chinese and they're like, man, we have these great jobs. Like they've really helped us, my family, get out of poverty. They've helped. Be, be able to afford things I like can send my kids to school all the stuff because like the jobs they had before then were like a lot of like if you look at a lot of rural China's like sub- substance farming mm-hmm. right which is already yeah. kind of a dangerous job and so maybe they didn't have all the protections but you know a lot of the protections we have in place for American workers came because of changes in our economy that kind of forced that to happen. And a lot of countries can copy us. And now, ironically enough, it means to be expected that the Chinese are having the same issue now where a lot of the manufacturing jobs are either going to Africa or they're going to yeah. other places. And now they're having to deal with this transition from a manufacturing economy to a, to a service economy. Mm-hmm. And they're having to deal with the same questions we are.
0: It's so interesting. I guess. I mean, it. And I guess it boils down to it's all relative, right? It's what was your standard of living before? Right. Now is probably better. There's probably obvious room for improvement, which you can even argue. Obviously, here in the United States. I mean, I remember like researching more into like this type of like program that this author or CEO Lila Jana runs, and you know she's got she's pulling people from like some of the worst slums outside of Nairobi. And it's putting him into these like computer centers and they're doing digital work and, you know, just crushing it, going to school, getting like leaving that company onto better jobs that pay like 10 times as much. And it's just like lifting the whole area out of poverty. And so circling back to the email I mentioned from Joe from Ohio at the beginning, she decided, okay, well, let's try to partner with some areas in the U.S. And this was really illuminating. Uh, to kind of bring this full circle before we hop off but <laughs> she partnered with some counties in the mississippi delta area or a county in the mississippi delta area and some rural areas in arkansas and even like um, some poorer neighborhoods outside of the bay area in california so you got kind of a mix of like low-income urban areas and low-income rural areas and the urban areas had a lot of challenges but they had some connectivity so like the city bus maybe didn't come all the way out but it had a city bus but when it came to the rural areas that were super poor like they were still using dial-up internet and like like five years ago four years ago they're still using dial-up internet there is no public transportation there's like not very good schools and it's because there's not enough people to produce a tax base to pay for the schools to attract good teachers blah 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 Um, And they ended up having to shut down a lot of their programs because over in Kenya and Uganda, which is like the specific town, and I'm drawing a blank and I'm not going to dig for the book because it'll make too much noise on this podcast, (laughs) the specific town in Uganda where they have one of their biggest operation centers used to be ran by Joseph Kony and his Lord's Resistance Army. And those people were more well-equipped for the digital economy, even this like low-skill digital work than a lot of like Americans, rural Americans here in the states. These same areas that she went to not only lacked infrastructure and you know decent schooling but like their high school seniors were testing at a fifth grade reading level and like I mean it was just like mind-blowing to like bring this home that like yeah these problems are everywhere so I guess you could do work everywhere or find something that really You know, maybe I'm personally drawn to helping people in, I don't know, outside of Kinshasa, right? But you might be drawn to helping people down the street. So, like, if we're both doing that, then lots of people are getting help. And that's Mm. great. But I just, I was floored to learn that, like, we, as the supposed greatest country in the world and by far the richest nation in the world, are falling behind these people in developing countries that, make two dollars a day and they are more capable and hungry sometimes for these opportunities than we are and it's just i don't know i was just so i don't have anything profound to end that with i'm just like blown away by learning all of this
1: no i mean it's insane i mean i can i can totally believe it it's like the one of the biggest ironies i've encountered in a few months living here in athens was that uh our at&t guy who set up or my girlfriend's at&t guy I should say who set up her internet they're talking, he's like, yeah, I don't have internet, Whoa. and she's like, what, he's like, yeah, like, I live out in the sticks, and, like, it's just too expensive for me to afford an internet, so I just don't have any, like, I think he uses his mobile, his white, his mobile data occasionally, Uh huh. and it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's just weird that a guy who works for AT&T doesn't even have, like, internet.
0: That's wild.
1: And we're not talking about, like, the Appalachian Mountains or anything like that, we're what? talking about, like, Relatively close to Atlanta, you know, but
0: that's insane. And like, it's 2018, nearly 2019. <laughs> this, like, we have entered a service economy and a digital economy, and that's the future. And to me, you know, I would argue that broadband internet connection now, like, the reason that you and I are talking, the reason you and I know each other is because of the internet. The reason that <laughs> We have a podcast that we're talking and people are listening to this conversation is the internet. The reason I actually make money is on the internet. Like that's my livelihood. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just so interesting that like to me that that's like a public infrastructure at this point. Like it's not a luxury anymore. And it's crazy because I remember when I was a White House intern like many moons ago, and I was reading a letter from a gentleman who was cussing out the president at the time because <laughs> He promised to bring broadband internet everywhere across the U.S. And he really wanted to Skype with his granddaughter. And he was furious that the president hadn't done that yet. And mind you, this was like, you know, back during the recession and the bailout and all Mm -hmm. the business. And I remember thinking like, dude, like, give us a second. You know, like we got a lot of shit going on but it wasn't but now looking back like it's not just the connectivity with family that's missing it's the entire revitalization of an area that is completely missing because it lacks that infrastructure
1: yeah it's like what we need technically speaking is kind of a a second a, a second wave of what they did back in the great depression with the electrification of america mm. because before then um Amer- a lot of rural america didn't have telephone lines and they didn't have electricity especially if you look at the uh, the river the tennessee river valley okay which is pretty much all of tennessee but like central tennessee or so it's like this big valley um that was super poor it was like one of the poorest areas in the country and they installed they, they built a bunch of dams up there and all this stuff and they hired people in the area that helped build the stuff and uh they electrified the whole area and you know the us almost anywhere in the states you can get electricity unless you live out somewhere where you purposely didn't want it and you can make a you have a phone line that goes almost everywhere mm-hmm. so essentially they need to do the version of that for for like wi-fi or not wi-fi but for the internet
0: yeah i mean part of me is like i first of all i thousand percent agree but it's just funny because part of me is just like dude it's just like facebook and people like streaming stuff but it's really not it's like making money online banking connecting with your family researching government services like i mean there's it's just everything it's literally everything and you're just completely cut off from the 21st century world without it
2: and Mm
0: -hmm. i don't think that's acceptable (laughs) Like, like it's one thing if you choose not to pay for it and have it it's another thing if you literally can't get it
1: yeah, no, it, it's a crazy world we live in, but it could be worse. We could be Australia, where they, yeah. the best everything they have over there is dial-up, essentially, because it's just too expensive for them to update the system.
0: Oh my god, that's insane. We'll tackle that on another episode.
1: Don't worry, <laughs> else, fans. We fans. We, we see you.
0: We see you, and we feel for you, but we have to research that. <laughs> or at least I do. Well... Party's over. You know how it goes. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. You can catch us all over at the After Party by searching for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And trust me, we definitely want to talk to you more. For exclusive content that we only share in email and a chance to win TDP merchandise and look way cooler than all of your friends, head over to www.thedevparty.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Bye friends.